afternoon. Good brunch. Good brunch. Welcome to Nurse Coffee Talk. I'm Jamie Baker. I'm Sarah Matthews. And again, this is Nurse Coffee Talk. Welcome. Welcome. (laughs) Hi, everybody. Hope you're having an amazing week. I have a story for you, Sarah. Oh, I'm ready. And you are going to love this. And <laughs> like you in all a, are going to... Like in like a hate angry way or like really... No, in like a, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> and you all are going to love it too. So I'm working the other night in the ER and it's my turn to take the next patient. And so somebody signs up on the board and their chief complaint is genital injury. I'm just like, whatever, dibs. I mean, it's my patient anyway, but... You gotta take the genital injury. Oh, like you have to. You, you have know. to know what this is about. You gotta right? know what happened. <laughs> what did they? What did they fall on? Which container went up their rectum? Exactly. <laughs> so I take the patient back, and I'm questioning him. And well, I shouldn't say questioning him. I'm triaging him, <laughs> which can feel like an digging for dirt. Sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so he's telling me the story, and now I don't know if y'all remember my manscaping story. Like, from episodes back. You better retell it for the people who haven't listened that far back. No, I can't retell it in, like, a quick little thing. If you haven't listened, I think it's in hilarious nursing stories or funny nursing stories or whatever. But I had a guy come in who had injured himself manscaping, and it was a pretty significant injury. (laughs) So this fellow uh, is a younger guy, and he tells me that he injured himself manscaping. And so I'm having instant flashbacks from like my previous manscaping injury. Mm-hmm. And so I'm asking him more and more. And as I'm like taking his blood pressure, he keeps like squirming around with his arm and it keeps blowing up. And I was like, hey, buddy, you got to keep your arm still while that blood pressure's going off. I said, it's kind of like a boa constrictor. The more you move, the like more it pumps up. And he's like, oh, sorry. Uh, I just, uh, my boss is trying to get a hold of me. I just, I, I got to let him know I'm in the ER and, uh, you know, I'm probably not going to make it to work. And I was like, oh, what, what time do you have to work? By the way, he's in no acute distress whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what time do you have to be to work? And the time he gives me, it's in like an hour. And I think it was an hour and a half, 90 minutes. And I was like, oh, don't worry about that. We'll have you in and out of here in time to get to work. You know, making it very obvious, like, you can go to work with this injury. Right. It's not the end of the world. Right. So we finished the triage up, and he tells me that he, you know, nicked himself at the base of his penis, basically manscaping. And I said, okay, well, you know, I'm a female, he's a male. So I said, well, I'm going to grab the doctor and we'll do our examination together, whatever. So I grabbed the doc and I was like, Hey, I think this will be quick, whatever. So the doctor comes in with me and the dude pulls down his pants and I could not be exaggerating less when I say he had a freaking paper cut Oh my God. at the base of his dick. I mean, literally there's no bleeding. There's nothing. Like literally and, like when you nick yourself shaving. Literally. Yes. And so the doctor was like, uh, okay. I mean, we'll get you some like skin glue and glue it real quick. And the guy's like, yeah, I'm just so concerned just because of the area of it on, you know, whatever. And, and I'm thinking to myself, Here's a Band-Aid. I'm like, well, I told the doc, I was like, you should have put a bandaid on. 
<laughs> so he had to take it off. Truly out. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think the doc would would have done anything for it, but you know, you want the patients to feel like you're doing something mm-hmm. for them. So we do unnecessary things. So he skin glues it, whatever. There was nothing to skin don't glue. Don't worry. Whatever. He'll get a nice play-by-play from his insurance bill. Oh my gosh. Of how much everything costs. So then he asked the doctor if he can have the day off work and have a work note. And the doctor's like, no, I'm not going to write a work note for this. <laughs> And he's like, oh, okay. And so Doc gives me discharge papers. Oh, he also asked the doctor for narcotics for the pain that he was in. Oh, no. Is that really what this is about? And the doctor's like, no, I'm not giving you narcotics for the pain that you're in. You can definitely take like a Motrin or something or Tylenol. So then I go in there with discharge papers and he's like, yeah, I mean, do you think there's there's any way like the doctor would just, you know, write me off, you know, to have like a day to recover? And I just look right at him. I was like, no, no, you don't really need any recovery time from this injury. (laughs) I can't tell if he was faking it all to try and get off work or if he's really just being a baby. I mean, maybe a combination of both. I don't know. I figured he just wanted a work note, but I'm just like, oh, God. You'd literally be better off stubbing your toe hard enough that it bruises, but not breaking it. You'd have better luck getting a day off for that than this. Oh, my God. I just, like, I could not believe it. This was, like, a non-existent... God, that's the stupidest (laughs) I've ever heard. Did he really look down and think, yeah, this needs an ER visit? Apparently. Oh, my God. (laughs) I hate everybody so much. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I know. I'm just like, uh, mm, mm. no, I'm not giving you a work note. No, I'm not giving you narcotics. 100% go to work immediately. (laughs) Was it med seeking, do you think? Or that was just kind of a side thing? I don't know. Not that that needs to make a huge difference in the story, but like, I just think that's interesting. Part of me wonders if he was taking illicit narcotics and had to have like a drug test or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, the stub toe. I have some tips for him. I don't know that anybody would get narcotics for a stub toe. Well, no, but again, a little bit closer. I mean, this isn't 2018, Zara. You're so right. <laughs> I know they tried to give me narcotics when I was in the ER. I thought I had appendicitis. It turned out not to be. But they came in with stuff and I was was like i would actually prefer not to do that yeah unless we really think it's necessary but like i was not in agony you know Mm -hmm. but yeah they were handing them out like candy and that Mm -hmm. was i was in college so that was in the early 2010s the early 2010s well it's uh yeah the times they are changing yeah hard to get narcotics anymore sure is also how like dude how out of touch do you have to be to know that like they're not giving them out willy-nilly right now they can't yeah but it's interesting because you know all the people that we got hooked on meds years ago still come in i just had a lady come in the other day she came in for severe back pain and she was like sitting on the bed when i walked in the room very comfortable like rooting through her purse and then I came in, so she laid back on the bed for me to do an exam, and I asked her to sit up, and she was like, oh, I really, I just really can't my back. And I was like, oh, you were sitting in here when I walked in the room, and you looked pretty comfortable. <laughs> She's just like, well, I mean, I'll try. She's like, do you have pain meds for me? I said, yeah, I've got a lidocaine patch for you. And she's like, oh, those those don't work for me at all. They're useless. And she's like, I thought the doctor was going to order me pain meds. I said, well, he he ordered that. And then he also ordered a muscle relaxer. She's like, oh, that's not going to do anything for me. She's like, I mean, I need like a shot of morphine or something. If you guys aren't going to give me that, then I don't even know why I came here. And I was like, 
Great question. Why did you come same. here? Same. Same question, ma'am. <laughs> oh, I was just like, so do you not want the meds? And she's like, no, I mean... Oh, she went through like a whole list. She's like, no, I've got, I've got tramadol at home. Um, I've got Norco at home. Like none of those do anything. Like I need a shot of morphine. And I said, well, I really don't think they're going to give you a shot of morphine for this. I said, I'll happily ask them, but I just want to heads up you. Like they're really particular about what they give out and when. And I just, I don't think they're going to give it to you. And she's like, well, I mean like a Norco or something. And I go, you literally just told me a Norco doesn't work for you. You have them at home and they don't work for you. What'd she say to that? And she was just like, well, I mean, they don't, but I mean something. Yeah. You know what would, what it will help? if you're actually having pain is a muscle relaxer that they've ordered. Yeah. So like the lidocaine patch. Okay. I mean, I hear plenty of people say that it doesn't work. It doesn't get deep enough. It doesn't do anything fine. Yeah. And also if someone's writing you scripts for that, that means you must have some doctor out there who monitors this pain with you. Yeah. The idea that you're going to walk into an ER and see a doctor who's never laid eyes on you before. And the expectation that they're just going to happily shoot you up with morphine. It's just kind of strange to me. I understand that that was the, the way for a long time, but like culturally it has been a significant and well-publicized shift and that's just not what we do anymore. Yeah, but that's the culture we created when we went to patient satisfaction scores. Yeah. I mean, truthfully, because I mean, I've worked with a couple doctors, we nicknamed them the candy man because mm -hmm. literally whatever you wanted, you got just so that the scores were through the roof. Mm -hmm. You know, he was just working the scores. That's all he was. He didn't care. One of my friends was telling me her little brother got his wisdom teeth out, I think. It mm -hmm. was either that or it was a tonsillectomy. And they gave him a 30-day supply, I think, of Oxy with, like, two refills. What? She, she's like, I literally took the script away and threw it out. I'm like, we're not doing that. Because he was in college, too. And she's like, I don't want him to get some idea in his head about selling pills or whatever right, and sure. like um you know because kids are stupid and um right and he didn't need them he didn't want it i think he took one or two and then was like nah i don't feel i don't care Wait, how this. do you even get they don't even write refills on narcotics i know that's what i mean this was a few years ago but oh okay i mean maybe and maybe they wouldn't have honored them but it, i saw the script it legitimately said that and we were like what the fuck is this wow that's crazy um, total sidebar, I just found out the other night that, like, a dude that I had worked with for a really long time got fired for stealing narcs, yeah. and that he had been fired pre from, like, tons of hospitals lately. And I'm just like, oh, man. Jeez. I know. I mean, it's, it's so, it's such a hard thing to fight back, you know? Addiction is so hard. I can't even imagine. No, I, me neither. But that's why, like, I'm with you, like, it's. Go, I don't even want to go down that road. I don't even want to... Ugh, no. Mm -mm. Not worth it. And the, I've seen the dismissal when people very... Like, on my surgical floor, you know, they'd say after... They would have um, PCAs and stuff, and they'd be in pain, and I'd have to be recording that they were in pain when I asked them. Mm -hmm. But they didn't want to press their button. They didn't want to take anything supplemental. And all of them were just... Not all of them, sorry. The ones that I'm talking about, though. Like, they were very nervous about getting addicted. Mm -hmm. And we were, we were a little dismissive and the doctors were a little dismissive because post-op pain is a big deal number one mm -hmm. and real pain 
pain, obviously, and also I'm sure score related, you know, of we don't want mm-hmm. people to report they were in pain when we had plenty of options for them. Mm-hmm. And you know, people are going to say that because if the question is, were you in pain? And they're going to say yes. And like, was your pain addressed? And they're going to say no. Well, yeah, we had a billion things for you, but you didn't want them. Like, that's not fair. Right. But there wasn't anyone having real conversations with people about like the risk that they were taking of going home on narcotics and what that would look like. And they don't, they don't even tell them things like about to look out for constipation. Like we right. would have, we would have to tell them that. Right. I know. It's crazy. Just negligence in a way. Well, I told you about when I had my shoulder surgery. This was several years ago. This was probably 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. No, it was more than 10 years ago because I wasn't a nurse. Maybe 15 years ago. So I had shoulder surgery. If I, if it's a repeat story. I think Sorry you did. everybody. Yeah. And they sent me home with Percocet. And I wasn't a nurse. I didn't know any better. They told me to take my pain medicine every four hours around the clock. They said, because you want to take it before you start feeling your pain. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it'll be too late to like you mm-hmm. it'll be too hard to get your pain under control we used to tell people that all the time yeah so you want to take your pain medicine even if you're not really in pain so i was just taking it as prescribed every four hours and i mean literally it was just snowing me and i would just i just slept for two weeks essentially mm-hmm. and after two weeks i was like i really don't feel like i need this i think i'm just gonna try not to use it and i ended up going through narcotic withdrawal oh wow now it was probably very minor but i mean it was like i had like i was hot i was cold anything touching my skin was like bothering me i felt like creepy crawlies i was like anxious i just couldn't like i couldn't get comfortable at all and i knew i knew what was happening i was like oh my god i've taken those pain meds for two weeks like this has to be what, what withdrawal feels like. I was like scratching my skin and like, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, when I went back with my fellow of my surgeon, I told him and I was like, Oh my God, like I went through narcotic withdrawal and they were like, Oh, do you need another script? And I was like, (laughs) no, no, I don't want to take that stuff ever. No. My goodness. I know. So Anyway. anyway, well, we should probably get into our topic today. Oh, I suppose. We talked for <laughs> I mean, over like two thirds of the time last episode about other stuff before we got into it. So I know. And I feel bad because I feel like we don't do our topics justice. I know. When we we do have that. a lot to say about them, too. So let's just hop right into yeah, it. Okay. I mean, we're not hopping right in. It's been 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. Well, I guess today's topic is what are we calling this? The false non-punitive reporting. Yeah. I don't really know what we're going to We got to think it. of like a cuter way to sum that up. A cuter way. Yeah. <laughs> well, everything about our podcast is really so cute. cute. How about a, a more a more pithy way to... Uh... Care Bears. Aw. <laughs> we're just a bunch of Care Bears over here. Rainbow Heart Shine. <laughs> I... <laughs> I don't even if know. If you asked me to thing. name a single Care Bear, I don't think I'd be able to. I don't think I could either, but I remember being enamored with the Care Bears. Like, I had one, I think, all of right? them. Did you? Yeah, that's, sun- that's Sunshine Bear. Aw, yeah. Sunshine Bear. Yeah, I had all the stuffed animals, and I had all the, like, probably three or four inch, like, plastic bears. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, rub- I rubber. I those. Yeah, they were little. Yeah, I had all those, too. And then I got lice, and my mom threw away all my stuffed animals. Oh, no, mom. Don't no. throw, I would have been beside myself. I was my beside myself. Done that. I was beside myself, but she did not care. There was not <laughs> going to be lice in our home. That's me as a mom. I'd be like, too bad. <laughs> Suck it up. I'm not dealing with this. No way. No way, Jose. Yeah. But the Care Bears are still around because my kids were at my mom's 
the other night, and she put on a Care Bears show for them. So, hmm. well, they've got a lot of yeah. longevity in that cash no cow, or don't they? or they came back. I don't know. Whatever. You know who had a comeback was Rainbow Bright. She did. She's fully rebranded now. She looks really different. I'm sure. I'm sure she does. <laughs> Not quite as pixelated as she used to look. Well, I don't remember the cartoon. I just remember the actual doll. Mm-hmm. I guess I remember the cartoon a little bit, but yeah, I had the doll, Rainbow... Oh my god, Rainbow Bright. I know, throwback. We're going back, man. I've been <laughs> diving into Disney Plus a little bit because I was feeling I was feeling unwell, and I was like, I just want to comfort myself a little bit, and so I was on Oh Disney my god, Plus. are you going to watch Hamilton on July 3rd? Yes, and I already have oh. a plan with my whole family. We're going to watch it together. I love it. I know I'm going to go watch it with my mom. She's never seen it. <gasps> well, I literally set up my Disney Plus on my mom's TV when I was home a few months ago uh-huh. so that when it released, she could watch it oh my god i love it we're ready i love it hamilton oh i'm so excited yes that's actually i took some vacation time um this upcoming week oh happy fourth of july everybody yes (laughs) btw (laughs) yeah i took some vacation time this week and part of the reason i kept july 3rd off was to watch (laughs) hamilton Hamilton. well that's the day we get off as our like holiday for the okay. fourth, uh-huh. and my sister's gonna be in town anyway, and because it's her, it's also her birthday weekend. And I was like, man, between Hamilton and Fourth of July and your birthday, there's just a lot to do this weekend. And she was like, I mean, all of those things all come back to Hamilton, though. Like, there's not right. They're all connected. Everything comes back to Hamilton. But is are you guys doing stuff? I mean, is there stuff happening in your city for Fourth of July? Because there's not. Like my city is not. Yeah. So technically, we're going green at the end of the week, but they are not allowing any. Obviously, no big gatherings, and so they are not doing any of the big shows or anything because that's just an excuse for people to gather. Right. As I drive through the city, people are obviously out and about doing whatever the hell they want. Right. We are not gonna do that. We're gonna choose to do things that are socially distant still. Sure. But it's a billion degrees out, so there's plenty to do outside away from people that we can do. Right. Sure. And one other thing before we get into our topic, I just read that Costco is eliminating its sheet cakes to discourage... Oh, parties? To discourage parties. <gasps> yeah. Okay, Costco, I do think you're overestimating the effect that your sheet cake has on a party. One person wrote in, well, oh, you mean like people will come if if the cake is there, like, people will the, come. The idea that like it's going to discourage people from, like people are going to have a party whether there's a sheet cake or not, Costco. I'm so sorry to tell you that. Like it doesn't matter. Right. I know. And they're still going to have 10 inch round cakes. <laughs> and it's like, okay, so now I have to buy two of them. Right. Thanks. <laughs> They're probably going to, like, impose a limit, so you have to, like, go to Costco twice in one week just to get enough cake. I do hear what they're saying from their own side of things of, like, why would we sell something meant for a party when we shouldn't be allowing parties? Or, like, we're not allowed, whatever whatever state you're in, who cares? But, like, also, I mean, that seems (laughs) silly to me, I guess. Yeah, come on. I mean, the parties are happening with or without the cakes. That's what I'm saying. you You need cakes, so... It sucks, though, because they're, like, a cheap, quick cake. Yeah, they're pretty tasty, too. Yeah, they are. Well, I was reading some... They claimed that... I can't even talk. They described them in the article as the gut-busting... Oh. ...layered cake with two pounds of cream cheese filling. And I'm like... (laughs) That does... That sounds really good. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Anyway. Okay, so we should get into... I think I should. 
Yeah, absolutely. For who? No one. I guess my sister. Sure. Yeah, your sister. Birthday. It's her birthday. All right. Well, we need to get into our topic. Okay. Because we are running out of time. <laughs> no, I mean, we really are because I got to go to work. I know. Okay. <laughs> we so, have a time limit. Culture. Uh, what, what? So I don't know what we call it at different places. The whole point is that it's a bullshit culture of reporting. It's supposed to be non-punitive, but right. we all know. We all know it is. Right. And it's the idea of it, of course, is... Let me... Let's... Let's... Hold on. Backtrack for one second. We'll explain to people in case our jumble of words doesn't mean anything to them. <laughs> um, <laughs> what we're talking about today is that hospitals have in place a, a safe space culture in which you can report a mistake that either you made or you witnessed in an effort to open communication so that problems can be solved and processes can be improved and you won't be punished for reporting. So they want to encourage people to that we have a culture where you can be honest and you can report yourself and nothing will happen to you. But like all of us have seen things happen to people who report something. Yes. And I also think it has led to a culture of like, well, I'm going to report you. I've been in several jobs where I get emailed the daily, weekly, monthly incident reports. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely what happens. Yeah. A lot of them are very valid and you're reading them and you're like, what the fuck? How did this happen? It's a catastrophe. And then most yeah. of them are stupid shit of people tattling on each other. Right. Yeah. One of the places I work has really made a point to say, if you have a problem with an employee behavior, that is an email to the manager. Correct. Yes. And if there's a safety concern, that is the reporting issue. I think something that they don't explain very well also is that depending on the way you fill it out, because most of these are done from the hospital's intranet, you know, there's a link sure, or whatever, yeah. and it's all kind of right. pre-populated. They're very insular. So like most of the time, like an average like bedside nurse incident report is going to go directly to your supervisor. Mm-hmm. I think there's this idea that like it's anonymous and which it can be and it gets sent to this unknown person this like wizard behind the curtain kind of scenario where people are gonna read this in a group and they're gonna trickle down to address it as it needs to be and other people are gonna hear about this or whatever and like no it always goes to your direct supervisor or manager that's not entirely true because you select the department and well that's what i was gonna say It, it it's coded dependent on how you fill it yeah, out but sure. like it doesn't go up to some a bunch of higher-ups or anything like it goes so right. like on our our leadership committee that i'm a part of on our unit it just goes to like the unit manager and then our one of our like project managers when it's coded about like about something specific and then at leadership committee will be like do we need to talk about th- this any further and people will be like yeah or no and then it's done yeah and like there's no there's no magical committee that's like heavily addressing all these issues like it's just your regular leadership so i understand that the idea is you can report things anonymously and a lot of people like things in writing mm-hmm. but it doesn't actually have that same impact that i think people think it does i'm sorry i'm gonna beg to differ with you at least a little bit because now where you and i worked together we worked for a very large institution mm-hmm. and we got the printouts of all the mm-hmm. the filings every week and there was a lot of them every week so I don't know that we were very privy to like where things went after that and what happened. But at my current institution, that is a much smaller institution where I'm part of the leadership team, if there is something that is serious, I feel like they're pretty quick to like pull together parties to try and resolve it. Now, whether it gets resolved, I don't know, but there's meetings. 
meetings happen. Meetings happen. <laughs> and that means that things are moving along, everyone. As we all know. As we all know. Meetings mean The results progress. of meetings. <laughs> right. Meetings means results. <laughs> I just can't not laugh at that. <laughs> Oh, geez. Like some of the things, like the lower level things, they go to like the charge nurses of the unit review these things. And then they determine whether it needs to be like escalated or closed out or whatever. Hmm. So I think some of these things don't get pushed on as they should. But like, for example, there was one where somebody filed a report and within a couple of hours, I got a phone call from risk management saying that I needed to do a fit for duty on an employee that was there based on a report that was filed like just hours before that. Okay. So someone was watching. So yeah, somebody was, that got escalated really quickly. So I think it depends on the caliber of the issue. I think it does. And like, and that's obviously serious because if someone's directly unfit and they're actively there, that's um, Mm -hmm. that's an emergency, you know? Right. I just had an incident where we discharged a patient home on Milrinone, which is a continuous medication, of course, and it's life sustaining. It's half life. It's about four hours. And the patient is out of the hospital. He's outpatient now. Like he's no longer the responsibility of the inpatient team. He's mm-hmm. following up with his outpatient physicians. And the infusion company that supplied it called me, and I, I'm an inpatient person, so I don't have anything to do with that, and mm-hmm. said, hey, like his insurance changed and we're not taking it anymore and we're going to go pick up our stuff. So like he needs to be switched to a different company. <laughs> and I was like, first of all, thank you so much for all the advance notice. Great. Thank you. Second of all, you can't. You obviously can't do anything like that until we you know that we have another company already set up and he's transferred over because he'll die very fast oh my god now would it be an immediate death like some drugs no he would decompensate quickly and then ultimately have to come to the hospital but why do that to somebody like he's if you're on millerone you've basically got a year or less to live anyway so like why would you do that to somebody right we went round and round a billion times i had to call up a thousand people everyone's on vacation it's summer ultimately after approximately i don't know six hours working on this by by the way, I didn't even discharge the patient. He wasn't mine. <laughs> it turns out that they had done something incorrectly when they ran his benefit. His insurance has not changed and they don't have to drop him from Oh my service. gosh. Talk about all the drama for over nothing. All the drama for nothing. Scared the patient half to death. Doesn't really instill a lot of confidence in anybody, right? And so everyone who I was, who, who knew it was going on was like, well, you need to write an incident report. You need to write an incident report. You need to write an incident report. And I was like, I'm not opposed to doing that. I just like, don't know. <laughs> I don't... I mean, okay, but like, it's weird to do an incident report as an inpatient person addressing an outpatient process like that I don't, I'm not privy to, whatever. So I called my boss and said, you know, do you, do you need, like, I needed to explain the situation because it needs to be talked about with the higher ups, but do you need me to do an incident report? And she goes, no, if you do one, it'll just come to me. Oh, yeah. Well, the other thing though is the issues resolved. It was like a mistake in a coding issue. Filing an incident report, what is that going to do for the future? I mean, a coding mistake can Happen. It was a mistake. Yeah. Mistake right. happened all. And that's, I think, the big difference. And not to say that people shouldn't. I'd rather people over-report than under-report, I suppose, because mm-hmm. if that's if those are the choices, I'd rather people feel safer, you know, reporting things that they need to. But the lack of perspective, you know, so many people telling me to do that. And I'm like, I mean, a, a pharmacist at this company 
is new and made a mistake. Mm-hmm. It went on longer than it needed to. It really was just maximum inconvenient. You know, no, yeah, one, one, sure. no one was injured. It was not. Right. I think there's a scale that you use of like zero is no injury and 10 is death right. or something. Like it was a negative yeah. four. Like nothing happened. Right. And there's no real process to improve it with someone made a mistake, you know? And Right. Exactly. And we've gotten so far away from what we actually are trying to talk about <laughs> and realizing. So for example, we have issues in our facility with a lot of the private physicians, which we addressed last week and sure. last week's episode, which is trying to get a hold of physicians and they're not responding. Mm-hmm. Now, to me, that is something that absolutely should be reported because it's the same people over and over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And my staff gets frustrated because they're like, why? Why do I need to report this? I've reported it a hundred thousand times. Nothing happens to the physicians. Like nothing changes. So why? And I'm like, because if everybody says, so why? Then the higher ups look at it and say, well, there's no problem. If there was a problem, we'd be getting reports about it. Right. And ultimately, eventually, I hope not. But in the case that eventually the lack of response leads to an adverse event of some kind, Mm -hmm. there's a huge history that they can be like, actually, for years, we've been getting reports that this doctor is not available. And he doesn't, he's not prioritizing his patients overnight. And, you know, per the language in these reports is saying, we'll deal with it in the morning. I don't want to address that right now. Mm-hmm. And then if it leads to something adverse, then like we, they have some kind of paper trail, I guess, of like, the. Now, I don't know if his, in theory, bosses should be seeing that and talking to the doctors, but we know that nothing, that doesn't usually happen. Right. And that's kind of why we call it a fake culture of reporting because, you know, for stuff like that, when it comes down to like stuff against the doctor, I mean, how many times have I reported that issue that I've had with my surgeon? So this is what happened this morning. He calls in to book the surgery. My coworker takes down the information. He has the name. He has the room number, not a patient identifier, mm-hmm. and the information to book the surgery. And the coworker says, I can't book this unless you have the date of birth. And he says, can you look up the date of birth and call me back? And so she says, okay, because we've been told we can do this now. So she looks up the date of birth and she calls him back and gives him the date of birth. And she says, I can't book the surgery in this phone call. You'll have to call me back and book it. And he said, okay, I'll call you right back and hung up and literally called back and booked the surgery. Now you want to talk about a workaround, like bend the rules for the physician. That's the workaround. That's a lot of bullshit. So just the whole thing We've reported and reported and reported and reported, and the outcome has been, let's find a workaround for the surgeon. Right. Who refuses to know the date of birth of his patients. <laughs> I, just, I mean, just write it down. I, you can't even get me going on this, but nonetheless. <sighs> so one of the things we wanted to talk about with the culture of reporting is just that it's supposed to be non-punitive. And I don't know that that is fair. Do you mean it's like a fair expectation? No, no, no. I don't know. I mean, I don't know It's that it's fair and that that's what's happening. No, I agree. And like, it's, it's odd because they want you to come forward and be honest about things. But also we have a whole system where we are reporting each other because we want other people to get in trouble. Yeah. So it's like, say I do something wrong and I report myself and my coworker's pissed that it happened and then she reports me too. And then the doctor reports me as well. Mm-hmm. I did the right thing by reporting myself because mm-hmm. I made a mistake. Let's assume mm-hmm. in this case it's an innocent mistake. Sure. But people have a lot of feelings, right? We know this. And we've mm-hmm. also talked about the lack of professionalism in healthcare. Also that. We've also talked about the lack of leadership and Correct. how yep. we're people 
punitive rather than seeking to understand. Right. Or and that, having and, teachable moments. Yeah, teachable moments and the total genuine lack of leadership. So, like, mm-hmm. those two people wrote incident reports hoping that I would get in trouble. Like, I mean, in, in this case, like, I'm, not, I'm sure that's not always true, but it, sure. often it is. And and if anyone's shaking their head right now, you're lying. Like, it is at times. And, <laughs> but, then we're, but then we're mad that we have a culture where I just came forward and was honest about something and then I got punished or not even punished. I mean, talked to or, you know, if you've made a mistake, like, in any kind of work, in any circumstances, in life in general, the response shouldn't be punishment for an actual innocent mistake. You need to dive into what happened, what was in place that allowed it to happen, what was the thought process that went behind it. But if the thought process reveals that you had, like, genuinely poor judgment, that's when the decision comes down to what does the leadership do? Well, in an absence of genuine leadership, it's going to be punishment. When, in fact, the leader's job is to teach people. And I feel like they use it as a way to evaluate if someone can cut it and Mm. especially if it's someone who they've kind of been wishy-washy about anyway i've heard of that happening yeah for sure if they're on the fence and you start getting reports against you yeah they definitely use those reports against you i had a co-worker who um it was a fall she had done her hourly rounds the patient was not confused there was no history of that. Um, he was not on fall precautions. He did not have it on steady gait. He had not recently had surgery. Like, there was no reason for him to be a worry. And she had done her mm-hmm. hourly rounds and she had documented that and whatever. And he fell in between the hourly rounds. I mean, a patient mm-hmm. could fall at any time. Sure. And I think he cracked his hip or something. I mean, he had an injury. It sucked. Mm-hmm. And I just remember it escalated so fast. And it was so many people were involved in leadership. And the union rep was there. And there were all these managers there. And per her report, and I can only take what she says because I wasn't there, Mm -hmm. it was really like tearing into her charting to figure out what she had done wrong that allowed him to fall. Mm. And she was like, well, I documented that I'd seen him at 2 and I wasn't sitting in front of his room. He was sleeping. It's 2 a.m. Right. I was off doing other stuff because I have five patients. So like, yeah, from 2 to 3, I was occupado. And between 2 and whatever time he fell, 2.30, it had not been an hour. You know, whatever. Like, these, this was a med surge floor. It was not patients that needed acute monitoring like that. Right, sure. He fell. That could happen to any, that can happen during shift change that can happen the moment you step out the room at 201 he could have fallen sure. like it makes sure. no difference it can happen when you're in the room it, and it has on that very unit in front of the nurse who couldn't get to the patient in time i remember you telling that yeah yeah the patient died it was horrible it can happen at any time the patients are their own individual people with with free will they are not a sim so like right they you know shit happens and like she just felt like it got taken so far and she felt absolutely horrible and it wasn't even a situation where there was something for her to improve on right but they were determined to figure out what she had done wrong that's i mean at least that's how she felt and regardless of whether or not that was true she did not feel supported by her leadership and that's really what i'm trying to get at i totally get that because i can understand okay let's let's say hypothetically this that person fell and died Mm -hmm. and it's a sentinel event you know whatever Mm -hmm. i mean even a broken hip is a sentinel event yes right you know, risk management and all that stuff, they have to, they have to look into it to find out what could have been improved. Where were there gaps that allowed this fall to happen? And maybe the outcome is we did everything right. The patient just fell, but there does still have to be an investigation on that. Yes, but I can totally understand why the nurse would feel like 
attacked. Attacked, yeah. yeah. And I think that falls on leadership. I mean, her leadership should have come to her and been like, listen, I've been through your chart. Like, it looks like you did everything right. I've talked to you. It looks like you've done everything right. We still have to investigate to see if there's areas where we can improve so that this doesn't happen to somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's going to be a lot of investigation on this. Like, this is not about you. This is about the process and how we keep our patients safe. Mm-hmm. You know, and doing something like that and being proactive like that would have really turned that situation around. I agree. Like, I think for the, she for the nurse. she wasn't fired or anything. Yeah. But it's still the whole, like, it's traumatizing, that's stressful. Though. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And this idea, and- this implication of, like, on a 32 bed, 32 patient unit, and at night we have six or seven staff. Right. Say, if you're all, if you were standing, like, <laughs> like soldiers along the hallways, you could have eyes on everyone at all times, but you were not. You were doing your job, and so you're, you can have, the entire staff can be in rooms at any given moment. You do not have have eyes on everybody at this at all times if they need to have eyes on them at all times they can't be on a med surge unit right? right sure and that's a conversation we've had about other things when doctors are like well we're worried about him so just do q15 vitals for yeah. a few hours and i'm like that's icu care goodbye don't even talk right. to me about that like that's insane right. <laughs> right well he doesn't need it yet okay well you clearly think he does so like shut up yeah well the the thing that i was gonna say so the opposite side of that is when there is something reported that a nurse made a mistake or whatever, because we are human, we make mistakes. Mm-hmm, sure. I, you know, the, the expectation can't be that we're infallible because we're not. Right. But when a mistake happens, I think there's also an element of how the nurse holds herself accountable for it. For example, that situation I talked about, I don't know, last week or a week, two weeks ago or whatever, where we had the nurse that inserted the Foley catheter and blew yeah. up the balloon. Yeah. yeah. So that nurse Poor had thing. been a nurse for like 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. And her response to that was that she didn't do anything wrong. She's been doing this forever. She knows how to put in a Foley. Like there was zero accountability on her behalf. How can you think you didn't do anything wrong? Has that ever happened to you before when you've placed a Foley? Right. I know. There were other issues with this particular nurse. She had sure. made other very large mistakes within like a month of this. Mm. And so I don't know. Honestly, I wasn't privy to the outcome, but she no longer works there. So I don't know if she resigned or if she was fired. I'm not sure. But I think that that plays a role in it too, though, of whether there's punishment or not. Because if you... This is where leadership really comes in. Totally. That's what I was going to say. A good leader will dig in and be like, are you not holding yourself accountable because you're blatantly ignorant Mm -hmm. and there needs to be some huge education here? Mm -hmm. Or are you just obstinate? Mm -hmm. Or what is the reason that you cannot take accountability for this? Or are you afraid that you, that we are going to take your admission of guilt as a, as a reason to fire you? Mm -hmm. And that's the problem. That's the inherent problem with a non-punitive culture that ultimately we've all seen examples where it is punitive because there are things in this world which require punishment at times. We, the the sort of like HR or PR kind of sell on it is just report everything. We're not, you're not going to get in trouble for reporting it. Right. Well, sometimes it's deeper than that. Yeah. And the reveal of the system that needs to be fixed is that maybe one of the people in particular was the problem. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Well, sometimes that is the case. 
one of the things I was going to talk about is um, just to revisit the, the Vanderbilt case, because mm-hmm. this is completely relative to culture of reporting, which is that, you know, that nurse pulled an incorrect med. For those of you who aren't aware, there was a nurse down in Vanderbilt who took a patient to CT. The patient was unable to hold still. I'm sorry if I get meds wrong, but I believe uh, the doctor verbally ordered like Valium to help calm the patient down. The nurse pulled Vecuronium, which is a paralyzing agent. She administered the Vecuronium, if that's what it, whatever Whatever it was, it was was. a paralyzing agent and left the room to put the patient through CT. Obviously the patient was paralyzed, couldn't breathe, coded, but was paralyzed. So nobody knew by the time they took the patient out. I'm sure they did resuscitative efforts and things like that, but the patient was ultimately died. Mm -hmm. And that nurse was fired for that. And when we're talking about a culture of reporting, one of the things that that you look for, for those of you who aren't privy to this, is you look for what's called like a Swiss cheese model, which is that there are several layers of protection here, but they're all like a layer of Swiss cheese. So they all have little gaps or holes in them. And when those holes line up, essentially an error can get through and it's like the perfect storm that creates a sentinel event. Mm-hmm. And so you look to see where you can cover up those holes and minimize your risk, right? And so for this one, there was a, a verbal order given over the telephone rather than an order put in the system. It was quick. It was a stressful time. The nurse the nurse went into her system. She used an override mechanism, pulled the incorrect med. There was no scanning of the med. There was mm-hmm. no approval of pharmacy. There was, I mean, there's just so many layers of it. Yeah. And so you look at that and you say, okay, where can we close those gaps? But the whole point of the culture of reporting is for something like that, when that happens, for the system to look at things and go, wow, how did we fail this patient? And how can we make sure that this never happens again? But their response to it was not only the nurse is fired, but then they brought like legal charges against she was being criminally charged that's insane and that's that's a perfect example for what we're talking about and I, I need to follow up on that case and see what's going on with it because yeah. i i really haven't that's a perfect example because that was genuinely a mistake right it was not malicious and there were several things that could have been done differently and like whether it shows poor judgment or not i i don't know that it inherently does based on the information you're giving i don't know that it shows poor judgment i think it shows rushing which is what nurses often do we had a a nurse at our hospital we used to give our heparin shots in tb syringes and so a full tb syringe is one like one vial of heparin sure and this nurse drew it up but it was insulin (gasps) oh no and the patient ultimately died oh no and i mean it took a little bit because it was sub q but then ultimately did, did pass and like and for the record of what we're saying here like when when things deserve punishment and things like that in no way am i saying that like because a patient died like that was the result that someone deserves to be fired or punished or have any kind of legal ramifications that's not at all the case right there's often several layers of things that that happened that could have been preventing you know that kind of event Mm -hmm. and like the vanderbilt case like and if nothing else because there's a lot of layers to this if nothing else the message to the staff is make a mistake and you're fired right and we and we have really intense jobs Yeah, then who wants to report? And then guess what? No processes get improved. Right, exactly. I mean, they just, the way that was handled was just absolutely terrible. Terrible. And I'm sorry, we got to wrap up too. 
Um, the way that was handled was completely terrible. And it really sets the precedent of like, see, this is why we don't report. Because mm -hmm. you tell me that we have a culture, a non-punitive culture of reporting. And it's just not true. Mm -hmm. Like, I am not going to lie. When you send me, not you, but like <laughs> when managers send me like the safety surveys for like how safe is our hospital like I don't even want to fill them out because you're telling me that it's anonymous but I don't believe that because you sent it to my email and I clicked on a link via my email yeah and everything's traceable to the individual computer that was used with the sign on that was used right exactly so don't tell me that it's anonymous it's not anonymous if they want to know who said something they can 100% find out who said something so I don't feel safe reporting absolutely I don't feel safe reporting. So there are things that I will report for safety purposes. I personally make a conscious effort to never report based on like behavior. Like yes. if there's a behavioral issue, I will send an email. Well, first of all, I will try to address it with the person, but if that doesn't work, I will send an email to the manager because I don't like to report behind people's back, but I do work Agreed. at an institution where they use it as a verb. Like, well, I'm going to report you and yeah. you know, whatever. And that's and something we like, need to start working or And like, that's part of professionalism. Like that's something yeah. we have to work our way away from. That is not the right direction to go. That takes away all accountability, all emotional maturity. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be aggressively confrontational. It has to be an open conversation between two professional people. There's no reason <laughs> why that can't be civil, except we don't, we've gone so far in the wrong direction of that, that we've allowed us to have like internet troll level reporting. You know how like That's people true. are really yeah. brave in the yeah. comment section on shit yeah. because they feel yeah. so secure and safe to say whatever they want. Like yeah. when you have to look at someone in the face, they say the same thing about like when you're breaking up with someone, like, yeah. when you're doing it over text versus in person it goes differently yeah for sure and we have more okay. respect for someone when you're looking them directly in the face whether if, if nothing else because you're less brave to say like all the nasty things that you're thinking you know yeah the best breakup i ever had in my life was this guy i'd been seeing him for a couple months we had fun together he was like listen i just i just i'm not into you like that he's like i really like hanging out with you and i really like being your friend but i'm just i don't feel that way about you mm -hmm. and i was like okay all right <laughs> i mean thank you for telling me that's i mean for sure like, i mean because you can't really argue it like i don't want to be with somebody who doesn't yeah, feel that yeah, way about me you. like okay, so fine. you're doing me a favor you're not stringing me a lot like okay cool all right well it's been fun and i guess we'll chat later yeah and like i know i know people can be bonkers in their responses to stuff and that's something that we yeah. all have to look at a little bit but like yeah. in general you're gonna respect someone so much more when they're just like this is i'm like he wasn't nasty he was just honest no yeah. I, like, I like that. I admire that. Yeah, I did too. And it went a couple of years went by, but I mean, we've had conversations since then. They were very like friendly and civil. And I mm -hmm. mean, if I ran into them today, I wouldn't feel awkward or weird. Or I'd be like, hey, buddy, what's up? You know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's cool. But anyway, on that note, we got to go. Okay. And now Go that you all know how to break up with people appropriately. Yes, stop um, We've accomplished our goal cool. for today. Yay. <laughs> all right. You guys have a wonderful week. Happy 4th of July, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.